Well, good morning. Welcome to another church service here online. I'm glad that you're watching. If you are a guest, you don't normally attend our church and you're watching here on one of our platforms that we have our service here, I want to thank you for being here watching. And I hope that you've enjoyed the music. I hope that you will enjoy a message from the Bible today. And uh, we would invite you when this pandemic is over and we're able to come back together as a church family, we want you to be our guest right here at Monclover Road Baptist Church. But enjoy watching the services here with us online while this is what we have to do for this period of time. I also want to just say uh, thank you to our church family. And uh, I've said this often, and I say it again today, I miss uh, having you here. It's uh, so different looking out into a auditorium where there's just a few people, uh, and I can't wait for the day that we're coming back together and uh, worship the Lord together, hear your voices. And I don't think they're going to let us hug or shake hands until 2029, I heard, um, but we'll, at least we'll be together and we'll enjoy worshiping together. But I'm glad that you've decided to be a part of church today here online. I want to ask that you pray for a family in our church as well. Artie Molino, uh, her mother passed away this weekend due to the COVID um, uh, virus. And uh, so we don't have any more information on that. But if you'd be praying for Artie, I know she has prayed for many people over the years here at our church. She served faithfully here for years and she could really use your prayer now uh, as they make preparations for a funeral for her mother this upcoming week. If you'll take your Bibles and you'll turn with me into the book of Acts, we are preaching through the book of Acts and we're just verse by verse going through and, and we find ourselves about halfway through this book, chapter number 15, we took the week off for Easter, and uh, we preached a message on the resurrection of Jesus Christ last week, I think Easter was, um, and so we're back in the book of Acts here and continuing our study. And to be honest with you, we come to a passage that is not necessarily an easy passage to look at, but it's a passage of scripture that I believe that every single person here watching is at some point in their life going to have to deal with. That's what I love about the Bible. At times, we'll open the Bible, and there's things that we get for knowledge. There's things that we get for understanding. Um, there's things that we understand about God that helps us. This is one of those passages of scripture that's going to help us in our everyday life as we deal with people. One of the things that I've actually enjoyed over this uh, last few weeks is just spending more time with my family spending more time seeing the value of people. When you miss people because you can't be with people, it causes you to remember just the value. Sometimes we get so busy in our lives, we get so busy with work that we neglect family. We get so busy with uh, uh, things in our lives, hobbies even, that we neglect people and people that we love. And so I hope that you're coming to that same conclusion. You're seeing the value of people. God created Adam created the entire universe. He placed Adam in that garden. And Adam had everything this world had in its perfect state. He had every animal. He had every, every fruit of the tree. And he, he, had, he, had, he had relationship with God. He had everything he wanted. And God said this, it's not good for man to be alone. He made man a helpmate. And that, from the beginning of creation, that's in us as human beings to want to be with other people. And sometimes, if we're not careful, 
the pressures of this world, the stresses of this world, the, the joys of this world, or the pleasures of this world, it takes us away from what God intended us in the beginning to do, be with him and be with those that he created for us. And so I hope that you are enjoying time with family. And I hope that you're making some meaningful and real adjustments to your life and to your schedule. So when we get back to normal, whatever that might be, whenever that might be, we, um, we value people. Here in Acts chapter 15, if you'll follow along with me, we're going to be in verse number 36. In some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, now, Paul and Barnabas are, are those that, that um, um, they've been on these, this missionary journey. It, it's, it's to this point in scripture, when you think of Barnabas, you think of Paul. When you think of Paul, you think of Barnabas. They're, they're inseparable. They're, they're serving together. They've been teaching since Antioch. They've spent that year in Antioch teaching. And, and when one name is said, the other one is mentioned. And we come here, they're planning what would be their second missionary trip. They're, they're excited about it. They're talking through it. They've spent some time uh, uh, with, with the saints. And now they come to verse number 36, and they say, we're going to, we're going to uh, uh, now uh, plan this other missionary journey. And he says, let us go again and visit the brother in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Panthea and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God, and went through Syria and Seleucia, confirming the churches. Now, here we come to this passage of Scripture, and Paul and Barnabas, they're planning this next trip. They're, 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 they are in agreement. Let's go through all the cities that we once went through and we once preached the gospel to and churches were established and, and people were saved and lives were changed and, and all the places that we've experienced. Let's go back through for the purpose of encouraging those at these churches. And they were in agreement on this. They believed that that was something that was profitable that needed to be done. And Barnabas in conversation says, I've got a great idea. Let's take John Mark and let him go with us on this second missionary journey. Now, we'll look at this passage of scripture in just a moment, but just for, for remembrance sake, when, as we've been studying through, John Mark was one that originally went with them a few chapters earlier when they started their first missionary journey. But it wasn't very long into that missionary journey that John Mark left and went back to Jerusalem. Barnabas was with Paul. Paul was with Barnabas. He left both of them on that first missionary journey. Barnabas is at a place where he recalls that, that John Mark had left and, and now thinks, you know what? John Mark, he's profitable for this trip. Let's bring him along with us. But Paul can't get over what John Mark did previously. He's got this stuck in his mind. Well, John Mark left us the first time. I don't think that John Mark ought to go with us on this next missionary journey. 
And the Bible says this, that look with me again in this verse. The Bible says in verse number 39, and the contention was so sharp between them. There was this great battle, this great fight that took place. There, there, there was this contention between Barnabas and Paul over this man named John Mark. I want to look at this topic in these verses today, and I want to examine something that I believe that could help every single one of us here today. Because we're all going to deal with this topic. And I've entitled it this, Unnecessary Divisions. Unnecessary Divisions. Now, as we make our way through the book of Acts, we find ups and downs. We find victories, we find defeats. We find the church where the church is being persecuted, and we find it at times where it seems like there's great liberty to preach the gospel, and, the, and people are being added to the church every day. This is what the path of Acts up until Acts chapter 15 has been. It's been stories of, of healing and stories of, of, of great grace that God bestows upon his church. And it's been stories of imprisonment and death for those that have preached the gospel. In chapter number 15, we begin. Now, if you'll remember before we uh, led into our Easter service, we were in chapter number 15. And the beginning of this chapter, it begins the same way that it ends. And that's with a dispute, with a strong dispute. It begins in chapter number 15 with a dispute because there were some that said this. In order to be saved, you first have to be circumcised as well. It's not just about putting your faith and trust in the work and the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not believing that his blood that was shed on the cross is the atonement for our sin. Something more is necessary. And what they were doing was this. The Jews were saying to the Gentiles, those that were non-Jews that were getting saved, all right, we agree, Gentiles can be saved. It's not just for the Jews, but you must be circumcised as well. And there was this great dispute that took place. And Paul and Barnabas stand up and they say, no, no, it can't be that way. There's only one way that a person is saved. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. And we looked at that. And if you're listening today and maybe you didn't hear that message and maybe you're a first time viewer today here at our church, I want you to know there's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. It's not through anything else. It's not through salvation through Jesus and the church or salvation and baptism or salvation and living a good life. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. He shed his blood on the cross. That was the atonement or the, the payment for your sin debt. And that was the argument. They said, no, no, a person doesn't have to be circumcised. So if a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, the moment they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they at that moment are saved. It was true then, it's true today as well. But I come to a realization here in chapter 15, and that is this. Some disputes are necessary. Some conflict in life is necessary. Some is unnecessary. And we're going to see both sides of that coin here today. There are some. I'm not suggesting that we go through life in whatever anyone wants to think and what everyone wants to believe. We're just here to get along. No, we as Christians, we are preaching a gospel message that many don't want to hear. 
And we are to stand upon the doctrine of God's word. We are to stand upon the, the truth of God's word. We are to stand upon the gospel message. We're not to compromise those things. And I, I would say this, number one this morning, some disputes are necessary. And we see that in chapter number 15. When it has to do with doctrine, when it has to do with salvation, we cannot compromise. We're living in a world today that is seeking compromise in, in all areas. It, 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 we're living in a world that it seems like Christianity is, is, is becoming persecuted and it seems like Christians are, are being targeted for their faith because we believe that there's only one way. We believe that it's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ and that's offensive to people. But we don't compromise on that. We live in a society that pretty much says, do whatever you want to do, be whoever you want to be, love whoever you want to love, uh, just live life however you choose to live life. And the reality is this, we as Bible-believing Christians cannot adapt that to our life. We cannot follow that. We must stand. I would say to you, there are many things that are biblical that we must stand for in our day. There are disputes that are necessary. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is a right when it comes to uh, killing of, of, of babies, abortion in our country. There's a right and there's a wrong. There isn't a compromise. We believe that God has, has ordained a man and a woman to be married. There is a right and there is a wrong. There's no area to compromise. And the church must stand, even when there's pressures to cave, even when there's, when there's a cry for the church to, 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 to lessen what they believe and be silent. No, there is a time that there must be disputes. There are times that we must stand. There are times that we must stand upon the word of God in disputes and, 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 and these types of things are necessary. It's light in a dark world. It's salt. It's, it's what the church must do. The church is different because we believe the word of God. Wrong cannot be tolerated in our society. The church cannot compromise. The church must stand for biblical things. And when it, especially when it affects the eternity of mankind. Oh, I, I'm sure people would like our message better if it wasn't so strong. I'm sure we could gather a greater crowd if if, if we compromised and said, believe what you want and how you want and who you want and we're just here to get along, I'm sure we could get a bigger crowd, but that's not the call that God has for us. The call that God has for us is to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, we can't compromise. What I see in Acts chapter 15 is this, some disputes are necessary. But these disputes that are necessary, they strengthen the cause of Christ. I would say this, all through generations, all through history, when the church stood strong, the cause of Christ went forward. 
All through the book of Acts, the church was not compromising, even during persecution, even during death, even when uh, religious crowds were against them and, and, and uh, governments were against them. The church always, the cause of Christ always was strengthened. It always went forward, especially when the church was in the midst of persecution and the church said, we're not going to compromise. I say to you this morning, some disputes are necessary and the ones that are necessary when the church stands upon the truth of the gospel, the doctrine of God's word, when the church stands upon that, that strengthens the cause of Christ. Now, we come to the end of chapter number 15. We come to this end, and this is not about doctrine. This is not about salvation. There's a great dispute. There's a great contention that takes place between Barnabas and Saul. It's not about circumcision. It's not about who's right and who's wrong when it comes to salvation. It's not about is adding anything to the gospel. It's not about biblical principles. This I want you to see is this. Number two, some disputes are unnecessary. And these disputes hurt the cause of Christ. Let, let, let me say this again. Some disputes are necessary. And when those are stood for, it strengthens the cause of Christ. But then some disputes are unnecessary. And when those are dealt with, it hinders the cause of Christ. It hurts. Paul and Barnabas are in this, this fierce disagreement. It's, it's not about circumcision. It's not about abstaining from meat. It's not about salvation. Uh, is it, is it, net, is it uh, uh, the Gentiles able to be saved? It's, it's not about any of that, but, but about the value of John Mark. Now, please don't miss this. Grab your cup of coffee, grab your Bible, grab your notepad, get comfortable. Because church, I'm speaking to all of us today. I'm speaking to marriages today. I'm speaking to friendships today. I'm speaking to you and your fellow church member today. I'm speaking to you and your employer today. I'm speaking to every single Christian today. And I say to you this, some disputes are unnecessary. And those disputes will always hurt the cause of Christ not help the cause of Christ. This dispute was about the value of John Mark. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, please, and, and go with me just a couple pages back to Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13. We are in the beginning. Oh, how exciting this is. I mean, the church is now persecution has come to Jerusalem and now they've left Jerusalem and they're in Antioch and, and, and uh, the gospel is going forth uh, into Antioch and Antioch becomes that, that missions sending church. Now the goal is to get on purpose, get the, get the gospel around the known world. First it goes to Antioch because of persecution. People scatter and it just kind of, it gets there, but God has a plan. Barnabas and Paul come together in their teaching and their, their leading in the church. And, and, and they, they, the Spirit of God says, it's time for you to depart. It's time for you to, to begin to sail. And, and I want, the, I want the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to go to the known world. And, and Paul and Barnabas gather up a team of people. And oh, how exciting this is. And this is what chapter 13 is about. If you remember, we've, we've studied through this. 
they, they sail to Cyprus. But when they get to Cyprus, they, they come into a place where there is a, there is a, uh, a sorcerer. You know what they're, they're facing immediately on this first missionary journey? Demonic attack. Front line, Satan's right there. And, and this isn't easy. And, and they, they, they face this sorcerer and, and it's great contention and, and the gospel is, is being preached and, and boy, there's demonic presence, demonic warfare. The Bible tells us this, that Satan, evil, Demonic presence is doing everything it can to hinder the going forth of the gospel. There's a deputy there that wants to hear it, but there's a sorcerer there doing everything he can to keep this deputy uh, from hearing the gospel because Satan doesn't want the gospel to go forth. And Paul stands firm. He preaches the gospel. People are saved. But look with me in verse number 13. The Bible says this. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos and came to Perga, and look at the end of this verse, John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. You see, this is what this argument's all about. John leaves them on their first missionary journey. Paul, Barnabas is there. Paul is there. Barnabas is getting over this, but Paul, this contention is in his his mind. He says, you know what? No, we've had John Mark. He had his opportunity to come with us. John was there on that first missionary journey, and we went through being jailed. We went through being stoned. We went through this great persecution. And, 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 And when the first sign of trouble comes, John Mark leaves. He can't come with us now. He's not ready now. Now, we don't know why necessarily John Mark left this first missionary journey. It, it might have been that John Mark was homesick. It might have meant that it might have been because John Mark saw this persecution. Maybe he was never, maybe he was never uh, in a place where he saw such demonic activity, where he saw such evil present. He's never been maybe associated with a sorcerer like this, and he, he saw the power that, that evil had. Maybe this scared him. You know, I don't know, but maybe just the reality of the situation at hand. Maybe John Mark at the time wasn't spiritually ready for a missionary journey like this. Now John leaves and Paul's not happy about it. Some time has passed. Barnabas sees the value of John Mark. And Paul says, I want nothing to do with him unnecessary divisions. There's consequences to unnecessary divisions. I want you to see something here in this passive scripture, the consequence, because Paul's, Paul's uh, uh, distrust for John Mark leads to consequences. You know what I find in this chapter, uh, Acts chapter number 15 that we're studying? It's the last time that you find Barnabas and Saul doing ministry together. How sad is this? They've seen God work. They've seen God's power. They've cried together. They've served together. They've rejoiced together. They've been through victories. They've been through defeats. 
They've been through spiritual attacks and they've been on the mountaintop seeing people saved. They've, they've traveled together. All these great memories that they have serving God together, because of this contention, there's a separation. I see this so often as a pastor. I've seen this so often over this year, it used to be 21 years of ministry. I see there's times that people take stands and they need to take stands and the stand that they take, for the moment it may be hurtful, but for the cause of Christ, it's great. And God blesses that stand. But unfortunately, I've seen just like this with Barnabas and Saul, when unnecessary divisions come, the work of the Lord gets hindered. And two people, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, as they're mentioned all throughout up to this passage of scripture, it's separated. Relationships are strained. Paul and Barnabas's friendship is severed because of what we find Paul in this unnecessary division. We don't find Paul and Barnabas together again. Look through the rest from now to the end of Acts, through these missionary journeys, through the, the Acts of the Apostles, through, through all these things. You know what you don't find? The name Paul and Barnabas together. You see, a consequence I find in this, something that just disturb, disturbing when you study this passage of Scripture, Barnabas's discernment is questioned. Now I want you to think for a moment, Barnabas... This is who Barnabas is. He's a friend. He's a, he's a peacemaker. He's a problem solver. Uh, go, go with me in your Bibles. Pick up your Bibles again and let's go to Acts chapter number nine. And I want you to, to go to this passage of scripture. J this, this is six chapters previously. We're, we're back into uh, uh, the, 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 the church growing and, and Paul uh, or Saul at the time getting saved. That's Saul's conversion in chapter number nine. Uh, go with me in verse number 26 of chapter number nine. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he is saved to join himself to the disciples. Disciples, but they were afraid of him and believed not he was a disciple. Now, here's Paul. Because of Paul's past, because of Paul, what, his, what he was known for, because of Stephen being killed and, and Paul going and, and uh, 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 persecuting the church, Paul gets saved. There's value to Paul. Paul wants to join himself to the work that's going on. Paul's excited. God's doing a work. Was Paul, does Paul have a past? Of course he does. does should should uh, uh, um, these disciples be a little bit leery of Paul? Probably so. And Paul comes and says, I want to join you. And they said, oh no, we know who you are. We know your past. We know your reputation. But the Bible doesn't end there. The story goes on. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. This is who Barnabas is. This unnecessary division. Paul was in the same situation that John Mark is in. Paul had done things in his past that causes people to question his value today. 
the Christian brethren. Paul's ready to, to set sail. Paul's ready to join himself. Paul's ready to say, I want to be a part of this gospel preaching thing. And, and the people say, oh no, you're not going to be a part of this. And it was Barnabas that came along and said, no, Paul, come with me. And he brings him to the apostles and he makes peace. You know what Barnabas is saying? You can take my word for it. This man is reputable. This man is profitable. This man is worthy because of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done for him. Now these several chapters later, <laughs> Paul finds himself in a situation. He's being just like the apostles in this chapter, chapter number nine. And who is it that stands for John Mark? The same person that stood for Paul and said Paul was profitable. I want you to see something about Barnabas. This is the reputation that Barnabas had. Look with me in Acts chapter number 11. So Barnabas stands up against the apostles, against the disciples and says, no, let Paul in. He's profitable. Chapter number 11, verse number 22 in the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which were in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as to Antioch. And when he had come, he had seen the grace of God was glad. He exhorted them that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. This is what Barnabas does. He encourages people. He brings this this spirit of joy. He brings this spirit of serving God as a wonderful thing. And he's encouraging them, serve God. And this is what it said of Barnabas, for he was a good man. And don't miss this, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added to the church. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to do what? To seek for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And when I was studying through this and I saw the relationship that Barnabas was to Saul, it was, it was Barnabas that said to the church there at Jerusalem, no, there's value in Saul. Accept him and let him in the work. And when God was doing a great work in Antioch and the gospel was going forth and this was on the verge of becoming that great mission sending church and God was moving and God was working and God was planning, it was Barnabas that went to Tarsus and said, I'm going to go get this man. And he brought him to Antioch and he allowed Paul to be a part of this work. And it was out of the church of Antioch that Barnabas and Saul were sent out on that first missionary journey. It was Barnabas all this way through Paul's life that encouraged Paul and strengthened Paul and helped Paul. And this is just who Barnabas was. And now Barnabas is doing the same thing with John Mark. But Barnabas's discernment now is questioned. It was good when it had to do with Paul, but now when it had to do with what something that Paul disagreed with, now we're going to question Barnabas in your discernment. It's unnecessary. I want you to write this in your heart someplace. Unnecessary divisions cause us to make decisions from emotions and not from truth. Paul is sitting in a fierce argument with Barnabas. He's questioning Barnabas' discernment. 
But Paul is not doing that based upon truth of who Barnabas is. He's doing that based upon his emotion because he has ought with John Mark. And it's not because he has ought with John Mark because John Mark has a different uh, philosophy of ministry or the gospel or John Mark has been caught preaching and teaching false things. No, he has ought with John Mark because John Mark offended him, hurt his feelings. And now Paul says there's no value to this man. And in character of who he is, Barnabas says, stop. This is not necessary. This is going to hurt the cause of Christ. And all that Barnabas and Paul have seen God do together. The people came to Christ. The power of God is revealed. The church was growing. Barnabas sees the value of individuals and seeks to invest in them. Unfortunately, at this time, we see Paul. Paul simply saw what he wanted to see and couldn't look past his emotions and his hurt. But I'm so glad the story doesn't end there. You see, Paul and Barnabas, we don't read of them coming back together. We don't read of them going on another missionary journey. This unnecessary division caused such a sharp problem between the two of them that this relationship was severed. But I want you to see something, and I want you to see the maturity here, because Paul doesn't stay in this state. Paul, I want you to see with me, look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy is Paul's final epistle. 2 Timothy is is Paul is at the end of his life. Paul's already made the statement that I've run a good race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Paul is now in this epistle saying, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to be executed. I'm, I'm ready to get to heaven. Paul has been years of persecution. Paul has been years of being in prison. Paul has been years of betrayal. Paul's at the end of his journey. And I would say this, Paul is much more mature now than he was back in Acts chapter 15. And I want you to see something. Paul is at a place and he's not complaining here. Paul is not in excitement, setting forth to another missionary journey, wanting to go visit everyone. Paul's at a place that he's imprisoned and he's, he knows that death is certain. And he says to Timothy, Demoth hath forsaken me in verse number 10 of 2 Timothy 4. Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed. Cretius this, to Galatia, Titus is gone. And this is what he says, only Luke is with me. He's by himself now. Some now have departed and they're living in the world. Some have betrayed, not Paul, but, but the gospel ministry. But he says this, take Mark. This is John Mark. This is the one that left him in, in Acts, uh, 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 first missionary journey. This, this is the one that, that uh, uh, in Acts chapter 15, Paul, he, he destroyed his relationship with Barnabas over this man. Now Paul says this at the end of his life, take Mark and bring him with thee. I love what he writes here. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. 
You see, just like Paul and just like all of us, there comes a time in our life where we have to stop making decisions out of emotion. And we have to seek forgiveness. We have to seek reconciliation. And we have to let people into our life again. In 2 Timothy, Paul is describing the state that he's in. He's been forsaken. He's tired. Luke, Luke is with him. And, 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 and the reason why Luke is there with him is because Luke is a physician. He's caring for his physical needs, but there's a, an emotional need. There's a spiritual need that he knows that John Mark is profitable now to him. I would urge you this. Don't wait till the end of your life to see the value of people. Don't wait till the end. I'm watching this pandemic start to divide Christians. Now, now, now if you'll let me for these next few moments, if you'll let me be your pastor. If, 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 if I could have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with you just sitting there on your couch holding a cup of coffee, if you'd allow me to be the spiritual leader in your life, would you, would you let me for just a moment? I believe this, in all of our lives, there are unnecessary divisions. I, I'm watching this even through this pandemic. And I would say to you, church, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. We ought to put away unnecessary divisions. And now is the time. I believe this, that God could use this pandemic to restore relationships. I, I believe that he could use this. That a great revival could take place and sweep our land. I, I believe that if Christians would put away unnecessary division. I'm not talking about necessary divisions. I'm saying if Christians today would take their stand for the gospel's sake and put away unnecessary divisions, the cause of Christ could be strengthened. I'm saying to you today, right now, as I'm looking into this camera, I'm, in, I'm envisioning our church on the other side of this camera, sitting on your couch, maybe sitting at a, at a dining room table or sitting maybe in bed. And there's divisions within your home. Unnecessary. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is being hindered. The lost world should see Christians united. Not fighting. In Acts chapter number 15, I thought about this as I've studied this this week. What would the lost world that was there viewing the entire chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 15, what would their impression be? Oh, in the beginning of it, I think they would think this, wow, they're pretty sincere. They're pretty, uh, they're, they're figuring this out. Wow, they, the gospel message is important to them. Boy, they're willing to fight over, this must be important. Boy, this truth that Jesus came and he died and his shed blood alone is, is, is payment for our sin. There must be truth to this because in Jesus' name, people
people are being healed. In Jesus' name, people are being raised from the dead. In Jesus' name, uh, people are being saved. There's power in this name of Jesus. It must be worth defending. It must be worth fighting for. It must be worth it. I, I want to look at this Jesus for my life. But if the same lost person watching this ordeal now comes to the end of Acts chapter 15, it's no longer fighting about Jesus. <laughs> it's no longer fighting about the gospel. It's, not only, it's no longer fighting about doctrine. A fierce contention, a, a, a friendship is broken because of emotions. Because someone says, I'm right and you're wrong. My way is better than your way. Unnecessary. It's broken up homes. It's broken up churches. It's broken up friendships. In church, it's unnecessary. If you want to fight about something now, fight about the gospel. If you want to plant your feet in something firm today and take a stand, do it for the gospel's sake. Because unnecessary divisions will only hurt, not help. Listen to me, I believe this, that we ought to capture this moment. I, I believe that God orchestrates all things and allows all things. I, I believe that this pandemic that has literally changed our world is not there so that we divide. It's there so that we unite around the gospel and we point Jesus to Je our people to Jesus Christ. That ought to be our goal. The lost world should see that Christians are united around the gospel and the truth that saves souls. That ought to be what we're known for. We need to point people to Jesus, the true healer of our souls. Not give people another reason to say, see, this is how Christians are. And I want nothing to do with them. Now may be the time you reach out to someone that you've been in disagreement with. Now may be the time that you look at unnecessary divisions and you once again, like Paul said, send Mark. He's profitable to me for the ministry's sake. It's time to reconcile. In church, what I see in Acts chapter 15, it started off with a great argument. It started off with a great purpose to stand. It started off with Christians standing for the truth of the gospel. And it ended with those same two Christians fighting over something so unnecessary and so irrelevant that only hurts the cause of Christ. I'm guilty of this and so are you. There's things that I've said, things I've done, things I've posted. I look back and think, how hurtful. 
maybe today's the day that you need to reevaluate your divisions, your contention, your arguments. Maybe today's the day right now, this moment is you turn to your spouse and you say to them, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Maybe it's a child says to a parent, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Maybe it's a sibling says to a sibling or maybe when you're able to get back to work, you need to go to a coworker, you need to go to a manager, your boss, and you need to say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. The division that I've had is unnecessary because the gospel is more important than any emotion that I let dictate my behavior. And from this point forward, I want the gospel to be the thing that I build my life upon. I want the gospel, the truth of the gospel to be what I stand upon, not my emotion. Because emotion changes. John Mark was profitable the first time. Hey, good idea, let him come. Second time, no value. Paul finds himself alone in a prison just with Luke, the end of his life. He says, bring John Mark. He's profitably now. The reality was this, John Mark was always profitable. John Mark always could have been a help. Barnabas saw it. Paul saw it too late. Is there divisions in your life that are unnecessary that you need to get right? Get right today. Get right with the Lord. Get right with each other. And Christian, let's get united on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's determine we're gonna stand upon that. Father, help us. Not an easy message, Lord, but it's in your word. And we're committed to it. And so Lord, if there's areas in our life that we need to change, if there's unnecessary divisions that we're living with, oh God, may we just, Give those to you. Relieve ourselves of the stress and the discouragement that those things cause. May we be united as an army of Christians going forward, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. May the gospel change us. It gives us eternal life. May it continue to change us here in this life as well so that we are Christ-centered, Christ-focused, depending upon him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for watching today. I wanna thank you for watching our services today online. I wanna invite you back next Sunday as well at 9.30 and watch us live once again here at Monclova Road Baptist Church. I hope that you enjoyed the message today. And I want to ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not asking you if you've put your faith in religion or put your faith in a church or put your faith in something that man has said. Have you put your faith and trust in what God says? God said in his word that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. He loved the world so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to come die on the cross. The Bible says that every single one of us are sinners and the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible goes on to tell us this, that God commended his love toward us or demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life. He was the atonement for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. And if you receive that free gift of everlasting life, the Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus came to die on the cross, to pay the debt of sin that you and I owe. He was placed in that grave, and three days later, the Bible says that he arose from the grave, conquering death, conquering hell. And because of that, he can offer you everlasting life. Have you received Jesus Christ? If you have not, I, I beg of you today to consider trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. If you pray a prayer like this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I repent of my sin. I receive the free gift of everlasting life that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he shed his blood as a payment for my sin. I believe that he was placed in the grave and three days later he rose again from the dead. I believe those things. And the best I know how, I receive that everlasting life and I trust you as my savior. If you'll pray that simple prayer and, earn, uh, and sincerely mean that, the Bible says that God will save you and give you everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way. That's why we call the gospel the good news. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only way a person can have everlasting life. Will you receive Jesus Christ today? If you made a decision to trust Christ as your Savior today, I would love to hear about that. You could call us here at the church at 419-866-0773. Email me personally at j.rands, R-A-N-D-S, at monclovabaptist.org. Or go on our, our app and fill out the Connect card and tell us that you made the decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. May the Lord bless you, and I look forward to having you participate in our online church next Sunday at 930.